here to Wake Up Call with Dan Swartora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, hanging out here on the Wake Up Call airwaves on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. That's a live feed. It's easy to remember because it's MixLR.com. And then the backslash, and then the name of the show, Wake Up Call DT. So that's how you get to us, wakeupcalldt.com. You can get us on the homepage of our main site as well. And we appreciate you all tuning in. This is the Fantasy Football Power Hour. It happens in the second hour of every Thursday show. So we're very happy to have you here. Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame, fantasyfootball.com. Myself, Dan Tortora, wakeupcalldt.com. You can check out the Fantasy Football page there. And this is proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub, where we host our Syracuse drafts. So our Central and Upstate New York fantasy football drafts all happen at the Wildcat Sports Pub. Each of the leagues are there. We're almost completely full. So if you want to get in, you have, and we're we're not drafting until August, but I don't like the last minute people, right? I don't like people that sit and wait and wait and wait and wait until the last minute. Don't wait till the last minute. We're almost completely capped out. When we cap out, we're capped. That's how it is. So, fantasyfootballdt at gmail.com. That's fantasyfootballd as in Dan, T as in Tortora at gmail.com. Fantasyfootballdt at gmail.com. If you want in, you got to email us now. We're pretty much, we're done with two of the leagues. The third one is, is, is just about closed. And then the fourth one, we have just a few spots left. So if you want to be a part of the Fantasy Football Challenge here in Syracuse, your time to email us is this morning. DT at gmail.com and the Wildcat Sports Pub, like I said, partnered up with us for a lot of things, including the Fantasy Football Challenge and the live drafts and having some fun and, and a really good time. So shout out to Danny, Heather, and the team at the Wildcat, including Nikki and everybody that's there, Dylan and so on and so forth, and Shane, thank you for all that you do. With that being said, Mike and I are here every Thursday going into the season, bringing you a different division. So instead of just taking, you know, this 10 players and these 10 guys or this position and that position, we're going division by division to give you our thoughts on each of the four teams inside each division, spending ample time on every single team to let you know what's there and where the, if the fantasy football is slim pickings or if there's some nice fantasy studs in there that you should kind of cut and put in the house in a nice vase. So with that being said, Mike and I are here today to talk NFC East, Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, Washington Redskins. Mike, how are we doing today? Awesome. How are you doing? Doing very well. And, and Mike, I want to get started with the reigning champions. I want to get started with Philadelphia, the Super Bowl champions. They finally got that ring. Nobody has to listen in Philadelphia about, oh, you never got it. Yeah, so they got the ring. They got what they, they're coming into this season as public enemy number one, and they're loving it. Let's start with the quarterbacks. Carson Wentz and Nick Foles both decided to – well, Carson Wentz under contract. Nick Foles decided to stay with the team. He was with Philadelphia. Then the old regime shipped him off to Kansas City. Goodbye. We don't care. Whatever. No, I'm sorry. They shipped him off to St. Louis at the time, shipped him off to the Rams. He ended up in Kansas City. And as a free agent last year in 2017, the Eagles said, you know what? Why don't you come back to us? We got a new regime here that thinks you might be pretty good. And Nick Foles ends up helping them win a Super Bowl. So what do you think about this one-two punch in fantasy with Wentz and Foles? 
Well, I think they proved what it's worth last year. I mean, Bowles was able to step in and without skipping a beat, lead the team. So, you know, that's everything. It, it's not always about flash and substance uh, as far as stats goes. I know in fantasy that's really what it's about. But, you know, for the team, that's the smartest thing they did. It's the smartest move I've seen them make in a while. And the, to top that move, they chose to make sure they didn't trade him this offseason because don't forget, there's still some question marks about Carson Wentz. Now, they say he's on track, and they say he should be ready come the first week, but, you know, that was a horrific injury he suffered, so what if he's not? You know, we're still a couple months away, so they're talking about not a lot of preseason, not a lot of uh, uh, time, so I, I, I just, I'm, I'm curious as to how this is going to play out. I think it's a great security blanket they have in place, and I think it's a smart move by the Eagles. Now, fantasy-wise, you know, I don't think that you need to downgrade Carson Wentz much at all. I think he is going to come back within the first week or two, and I think you can just temper your expectations, make sure you get a, a backup in place, whether it's Foles or somebody else. I know in our league it's the team quarterback, so you'll be fine there. But, yeah, I think there's going to be continued success in the quarterback play, whether it's Wentz or Foles. I think they got a, a good team around them. They proved what they're capable of offensively and defensively last year. So that bodes well for the quarterback when your defense plays well. I know people don't realize that, but, you know, your defense can help or hurt your quarterback. So, you know, they got a good defense there as well. So if they can just continue to do what they do, they'll be back to, to the Super Bowl again, I'm confident. Yeah, you know, and, and as we look at this, and like you said, you know, Carson Wentz, you know, there is this big what if. You know, is he going to be – ready is is he going to be prepared for this is his body going to be ready he's questionable for week one with that knee injury and the thing is you know you do like you said you have a security blanket with Nick Foles and he's a capable guy I remember when they picked him up and Carson Wentz had gone down and they had him on the roster and some people didn't even know he was on the roster and I was and I, I tell the story all the time I was at the Jaguars game I'm in the press box one of the guys looks up at the TV and goes, hey, Carson Wentz went down. And the guy's like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, Carson Wentz got hurt. He's done. And then one guy looks at another guy who looks at another guy. And the two and two of the guys are like, well, who's the backup? And the guy's like, yeah, who's the backup? There's, I don't know. Who's the backup? I don't, and all these media people are kind of, you know, who's the guy? Who's the backup? And I'm looking there and I'm going, this truly is what I said it was. The Nick Foles deal was a middle of the night, very quiet, why don't you come back here? Because it wasn't kind of public knowledge to, to some people from the outside looking in that's that they were even on the team, you know, that, that Nick Foles was even there because of the fact that they did it very, very quietly. And I love the way that they put it together. It didn't cost them a lot of money. They bring in Nick Foles, and now you have this guy. Because the thing about Carson Wentz, let's say, best case scenario, he's ready for week one, Mike. This is an injury that's not as easy to come back from. And I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here. I'm just trying to be honest with the situation. Let's say Carson Wentz is never the same again. Let's say Carson Wentz has missed a step. Let's say Carson Wentz gets hit in week one and goes right out again. Nick Foles is there. Nick Foles has proven that he could be the quarterback. And in the situation that we're in right now, if something, God forbid, happened to Carson Wentz or he got hit just the right way again, Nick Foles is going to take over. So I think, like you said, in our league where it's team quarterback 
in the wake of call fantasy challenge of central New York and of central Florida. This is probably your best hands down option of having a team quarterback, knowing that Carson Wentz, it may take him a little while, but again, once you get injured, if you get hit again in that way, you got Nick Foles right there in the wings. You know, as, as we look at this, what do you think about that? No, I think I, I I think that's dead on. I think that's that's by design, and you know their 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 plan played out last year. And and you know, I for Wentz fans and for Philly fans, I hope that you know Carson Wentz is healthy enough to play because you know I enjoy seeing you know talent, but at the same time, you know I, I, I gotta applaud again the. You know the Philly brass for doing what they had to do and making sure things are right, and uh, you know leading the team as an ownership or management group. That's your job is to make sure you're not in a bad situation. If one guy goes down, next man up, and you got to be ready for that as an organization, and you also got to be ready for that as a team. So that mindset where there was that confidence level in a full was coming off the bench because he's been there. He kind of knows what's going on. He's familiar. He's a familiar face. Uh, a lot of players still had familiarity with him, so it was an easier transition than a guy who didn't know the team or a rookie quarterback. So it just really worked out really well for him last year, and uh, you know I don't see why that should stop. Yeah, they're definitely in a good situation. So, I mean, like I said, and like Mike and I have been talking about, if you got a team quarterback league where you could pick up Philly quarterback and you get Foles and Wentz, this is definitely something that you should pick up and and I would say do it early because someone else is is gonna have this circled. You know, a lot of people are gonna have this Philadelphia opportunity circled. And you know, if you got to roll the dice and you don't have team quarterback and you got to pick one or the other, I would do my best to get a security blanket without losing too much and doing it by trying to get Wentz and Foles at the same time. But that's why we have team quarterback in the wake of Call Fantasy Football Challenge because I don't want one team to have Wentz and another team to have Foles. I want you to have that backup plan in case you need it. And I think when it comes to kickers, defense, special teams, and quarterbacks, those are the ones where if you draft so you draft Aaron Rodgers and he goes out in week four, I mean, you made a great deal. Now you got to go find somebody and, and you're on the outside looking in in the league that you're in because you might not have a quarterback that's going to be really much worth anything at that point. So we do team quarterback. I think it's more of a fair way to look at it, especially because through training camp, some guys change. I mean, some teams change decisions. Sam Bradford's in Arizona, but Josh Rosen, everything coming out of the Arizona camp is that Rosen caught on real quick. So, you know, you go out there and let's say we had already drafted, you draft Sam Bradford. Well, some, some guy took Rosen in round 16. Guess what? Now he's the starting quarterback. So, Team quarterback, I think, is the better way to go. Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement, Darren Sproles, who's coming off his own knee injury and is a, is a, right around about 115 years old, I believe, at this point, but I love Darren Sproles. Wendell Smallwood, he never really panned out for Philly, but he's still there. DJ Pumphrey was drafted in 2017. He's there. So they got a bunch of runners, but Sproles was the change of pace guy. I'm leaning more on Jay Ajayi being the power back. Corey Clement being the guy that can be a jack-of-all-trades. We obviously know that he could catch out of the backfield because he did that in the Super Bowl. So what do you think about the running back situation for Philly? Yeah, I think it's pretty solid. I think, uh, you know, Philly did what they had to do and said what they had to say by 
not re-signing LeGarrette Blunt. I think, you know, the mid-season trade last year for J.H.I.A., that's kind of a rare thing in mid-season trade, especially with a running back. But, you know, I mean, Ajayi wasn't getting the numbers he needed again. I don't think it was his fault. I think it was more so the, the system and his usage. But he, he was lagging in the yards per carry. I think he was 3.4 and maybe 4.8 on the yards per reception. I mean, he failed to score a touchdown in seven starts in Miami. Then as an eagle, he comes in, he averages 5.8 yards per carry. And, you know, a lot of people say, wow, that's a lot. That's a weird number. That's a high number. He didn't have a lot of carries. Well, realize the company he was in that was second alone to Alvin Kamara. So he caught some passes. He scored some touchdowns. But now that he enters the season as the, as the starter, if you would, you know, Doug Peterson's going to continue to use a committee approach. But by not signing LeGarrette Blunt, the Eagles basically have handed the primary interior and short yardage duties to Ajayi. I mean, he's kind of well-suited for that with the offensive line they have. They have an above-average offensive line in Philadelphia, which was also key to their success last year, which is also key to their quarterback play. So I think all in all, it's a great thing. I think... Uh, J.H.I.A. is more of an RB2 in both standard and PPR formats because of the, the potential for a committee-type approach. I like a Corey Clement. I think that, you know, he's going to be able to, to bear some of, the, some of the load or his portion. I mean, this is a, a guy out of Wisconsin. This is a guy who was an undrafted rookie, but, you know, he was second on a team with like 23% of the offensive snaps. He played a lot of special teams last year, and that's a good guy to have on your team, a guy who could be the third down guy. Darren Sproles is in an uphill battle to come back. Um, you know, he's I think he's number eight in the NFL all-time yards from scrimmage list because of, you know, what he does. He catches the ball. He, he runs with the ball. But this is a guy who's 35 years old once the season gets started. So I'm, I'm not heavily invested in him. I think a Wendell Smallwood – has some opportunity, the youngster out of West Virginia, been around for a spell, hasn't really had the opportunity to just take over the job. And, you know, it is what it is there. It's the NFL. And then you look at a Donnell Pumphrey, you know, he, he was a terror out of San Diego State, comes in the league as a rookie last year, probably gets hurt, and we don't really see much of him. The guy I'm excited to see, though, is Josh Adams out of Notre Dame. If you're in a dynasty league, this is a guy you may want to look at as well. So I think it's Jay Ajayi's points to lose in fantasy. I think it's his job to lose. I do think there is going to be somewhat of a committee approach. Uh, some of these other names we mentioned, you know, the, these guys are simply late-round flyers. All the values on Jay Ajayi. Yeah, you know, when you look at all this, like, like you said, you're mentioning, you know, kind of the situations and, some of the guys and injuries and things that happened throughout, you know, Philadelphia's run last year. I don't see a lot of value in Smallwood. Pumphrey, you know, only if somebody gets injured and you don't wish for anything like that. Corey Clement, I think he's going to have his moments. I think he's going to have two to three good weeks in fantasy. I think he's going to be good for the team in reality. But this is one of those things Corey Clement is an example of. You could be really good in reality, but you're not consistent in fantasy so I agree with you. If you're drafting anybody, it's Jay Ajayi. He's the guy that's supposed to be their power back. He's the one at the top of this thing. He's the one that, you know, staying healthy and barring any any problems there, that Jay Ajayi is going to be the guy that should get 10 to 15 carries a game at least. 
in this stocked offense and, and Philadelphia team that has a lot of different weapons. So Corey Clement's going to help move the ball forward, but Jay Ajayi, I think, is going to be the one to push it in. And without LeGarrette Blunt out there, you know, we know that he's not going to be getting the ball on the one-yard line. So Jay Ajayi should see some improved fantasy points this season. If you have him, it should be good in that case. Wide receiver-wise for the reigning national champions, we're here in the Fantasy Football Power Hour with Mike Sofka of Hall of FameFantasyFootball.com, proudly brought to you the Wildcat Sports Pub. And we are discussing division by division, getting you ready for your draft. This week is the NFC East, Philadelphia, the New York Giants, Dallas, and Washington. We're on to the wide receivers. Elshon Jeffrey is questionable for week one with a rotator cuff injury. We have Nelson Aguilar, who's back on the team. Mike Wallace and Marky, Marcus Wheaton, who are both former Pittsburgh Steelers. So going from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia, which anybody will tell you in the state of Pennsylvania, you're either, you're either on one side or you're on the other. You're either with us or you're with them. And as Philadelphia fans like to call Pittsburgh, they call it Pittsburgh, Ohio, because they say it's so far on the other side of Pennsylvania, it doesn't even count in our state. So kind of an interesting fact that Mike Wallace, who came through Baltimore, and Marcus Wheaton, who came through Chicago, are both former Steelers, now in Philadelphia, on top of having Mac Hollins from North Carolina, and Nelson Aguilar, who, as a rookie, was very quiet, but started to wake up last season in fantasy, and Alshon Jeffrey, who's been pretty serviceable if he is healthy for week one. Yeah, I like Alshon Jeffrey. I think he's... um... He's going to be the guy. Now, he had some off-season surgery to repair a torn rotator cuff, and it's not sure where he's going to be at the status of the training camp here soon. But, you know, the bottom line is, is this is a guy who, before he signed with Philadelphia, you know, it was kind of a tepid market for, for receivers, so he bet on himself. He, you know, signed a one-year deal with Philadelphia. They were looking to replace Torrey Smith, and then, you know, the Eagles saw enough in the first three months. They went ahead and signed him up, locked him up for a four-year deal. I think it was $52 million, including $27 million in guarantees. So this is a guy who, you know, had some injuries in Chicago. This is a guy who was Wentz's primary outside down-the-field threat. And, you know, he, he he's a guy who can stretch the field, yet he's the guy who can make the tough grabs as well. So... While I'm not super high on him as a as a number one receiver on my fantasy team, I think he's a solid player. I think he's a solid NFL player, and I think he can be a solid receiver for you. Uh, now, Nelson Aguilar came way. I mean, he's the most improved guy. He he on the team. You know, the first couple of years here, he didn't he he wasn't cutting. He was thrust in the system. Chip Kelly system just didn't work out for him, and you would think that would be ironic because. Joey's system was primarily throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball when you're done, throw the ball. But it just didn't work out. And it looked like he struggled when Peterson came in as well. And now it looks like he's starting to take shape. They lined him up in the slot some more. He has the ability to be a wide receiver two, great wide receiver three on your team. So look out for Nelson Aguilar. Mike Wallace, he's he's an also-ram player. He's the old man in a bunch. I think, you know, at 32 years old, he's going to remain a potent deep threat. But, you know, I, I, again, I, I don't know if I can even roster him. If I could, maybe he's my fifth wide receiver. Matt Collins, I'm, I'm most excited about. I think he he's a big receiver. He's big. He's quick. He has good hands. He could be a potential red zone target guy. But they got some excellent tight ends as well. So, 
I don't know how that's going to pan out. You know, there's other names that are, you know, kind of also rands on the team. Some of these guys might not even make the roster, but I, I, I would think the guys I just mentioned are the guys to get most excited about. Maybe if you're in a dynasty league, maybe look at, at uh, what a Shelton Gibson could bring. Look how his camp develops. Look where he spots up. Maybe he can get some time, the guy out of West Virginia. But I think for the most part, you know, that's pretty much it on a wide receiver bunch. Ash, Alshon Jeffrey, maybe a two or a three. Al Galore, uh, you know, a, a strong two or maybe three. And then, uh, you know, Matt Collins, Shelton Gibson, Mike Wallace, those are kind of the also-ran guys. Yeah, you know, when you look at the situation for Philadelphia, I think Alshon Jeffrey, I mean, healthy and ready to go, he's a guy that I would put out there on my team. And you don't necessarily have to go very high to go get him. You could probably get him, you know, depending on how your draft goes, third or fourth round, if there's going to be a run on running backs, which I, you know, I expect with all the running backs out there right now and the thoughts of Fournette and Kamara and, you know, just going around and healthy David Johnson and Todd Gurley and so on and so forth, that there's going to be a lot of focus on that right now. Nelson Aguilar, I picked him up as a rookie, like I said. He disappointed me. Last year, he was looking pretty good, doing some nice things. So he's not a bad guy to have on your team. And he's in a situation where outside of Philly fans, I don't think he's going to go that extremely high. So, you know, Elshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar are not they're not that pick that you have to make where you're going to miss out on somebody. They are that pick that you kind of have to time it right, especially with Elshon, and say, okay, this guy went, this guy went. How soon before somebody realizes that he's here? But I like Elshon. I was hoping he would resurrect his career coming from Chicago, and he has. And Nelson Aguilar is doing pretty well. Mike Wallace, I want to watch and see what he can do. You want to pick up a wide receiver at the end of this draft, and you want to get Wheaton or Wallace or Hollins or something like that, you know, go pick him up. Give him a shot. You know, make them on your practice squad, so to speak, and see what they can do. But I think that really, you know, the the proof is in Jeffrey and Aguilar coming back this season and what they can do. Inside of the Fantasy Football Power Hour with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com, myself, Dan Tortora. Check out the Fantasy Football page on WakeUpCallDT.com. We are giving you the NFC East today, and we're moving on to the New York Football Giants. What's oh what's up what's up oh we didn't do the tight ends did we? Yeah no there's some good tight ends on this team. We did not do the tight ends that is that is a that is a my bad here I'm already looking at the football giants I'm already thinking about the Giants fans that are listening into the show this morning so let me go back let me go back here to the tight ends Zach Ertz Dallas Godert Richard Rogers so Richard Rogers used to be the starter in Green Bay Dallas Godert is the one that the Philadelphia Eagles went up to get, traded up, and took him away from the Cowboys because Dallas in Dallas made perfect sense, but Philly didn't let it happen. And Zach Ertz is, you know, he's he's your perennial guy that you hope to be able to lean on sometimes. He used to be better in fantasy, but hopefully a healthy Zach Ertz can do some nice things now, and especially now that there's not a ton of pressure that it's just him. So... Mike, Ertz, Godert, Rogers, your thoughts on Philadelphia? Yeah, I think uh, Zach Ertz is an excellent tight end. I, I got him ranked as the number three tight end overall. Uh, I think that even in a dynasty situation, he's up there in the top three as well. He's pretty much been the model of consistency. He has missed a few games, but the injuries he's missed games with, he's missed at least one game each of his first three years. But those injuries were minor, nothing you know that was going to, 
you know, potentially jeopardize the season or what have you. But this is a guy who who can score some touchdowns. He did have eight touchdowns last year. He's got about 800 yards each of the past three years, 75, 78, 74 receptions. So you know what you're getting there. And now that they went up and got Godert as well, you know, this is a situation where they were happy with Trey Burton. They knew they weren't going to keep him, though. I mean, he scored five touchdowns in 15 games as the Eagles' number two tight end. So there's thoughts that the Eagles are going to expand their two tight end packages this year which Coder has the potential to exceed Burton's production. And in that, in that, when you factor that in, this is a guy who's a fluid athlete, excellent hand-eye coordination, and he has the long-term potential to develop into a better blocker than Ertz. I mean, so far, the reports are that Godert is a better blocker than Rick Rogers, and he's poised to earn a number two role. So it, it, there's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be seen. There's a lot to happen yet, but... If, if I was a gambling guy, I would say that you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets with Ertz and Goder. I think Rick Rogers is there along for the ride. I think in case of an injury or something, he's a pretty solid guy you can rely on for some for some blocking as well. But it's going to be all Ertz, and then you know the one A there is going to be Goder. So I think you can you can be satisfied in taking either one of them in the dynasty. Ertz is the top three overall tight end, and Dallas Goder would be a like a tight end two, tight end three on your team if you had a large roster. Yeah, you know, I, I think that if you're going for you know two tight ends that are out there, normally I will tell you stay away from you know drafting guys on the same team because you have an opportunity to. I mean, when you you got to look out for bye weeks, you know, and nor, you want to draft the best available players. But you have to pay attention to buy. It's not an easy thing to do to pay attention to bye weeks and try to get the best of the best and see what's going on, especially when you're in the thick of things in the middle of the draft and toward the end. But do the best that you can. Dallas Godert, though, if you miss out on Ertz, get Godert. I real, I mean, honestly, I think that this guy is going to be a fan. I think he's going to be a stud in the NFL. Fantasy wise, we're left up to see. He's a rookie, but. He's with Philadelphia, who utilizes their tight end in the passing situation. They've been doing it for a long time with multiple different quarterbacks at the helm. So Zach Ertz is one of those guys that people are still going to pay for. They're still going to go for. They're still going to reach out and get. He is going to be one of the ones that comes off the board really quick. So you have to understand that that's going to happen, which leaves you Dallas Goder, who's a good backup to whoever you pick up in your fantasy football draft. So don't, 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 don't. Sleep on Dallas Godert by any stretch of the imagination. Zach Ertz, I, I, I do. I, I love what he can be, but it's not as consistent as I'd like it to be. But when he shows up, damn it, he shows up. So he's always good to have on the roster. It's just a little bit frustrating when he doesn't come through all the time, you know, consistently, so to speak. I know to hope a player will do it every single week. I mean, Brady pretty much going to do it. You know, Gurley pretty much did it last season. Fournette, for the most part, did it. Uh, Kamara, for the most part, gave you something. Mark Ingram, for the most part, gave you something. So there's guys like Aaron Rodgers, when he's healthy, he's going to give you something. But you can't always expect that from everybody. Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, the list is small on the guys that you can lean on all the time. But if we're talking top five tight ends, you know, Zach Ertz is definitely in that play for fantasy because of the fact that he is one of those tight ends that they can look at two or three times in the red zone, which is really nice. Now we're going to the Giants. I had my <laughs> I had my resident Giants fan just write in and go, uh, yeah, we're cool skipping. We can skip Philadelphia's tight ends. We can move right on to New York. I want to hear about my team. So Eli Manning, Davis Webb, and Kyle Lauletta. 
They drafted Kyle Auletta. Davis Webb is still on the team. They drafted him last year. So they're obviously setting up for a Webb-Lauletta quarterback challenge after Eli Manning eventually hangs it up. But Eli Manning is still the top dog in town. What do you think about the situation for the fantasy value of Giants quarterback? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what the Giants did last year in the draft spoke spoke loudly. You know, they had Saquon Barkley falling in their lap when Cleveland went ahead and decided to take, uh, you know, the quarterback at number one. But, you know, I think what they did was they just doubled down on Eli Manning. You know, Eli Manning didn't have Beckham last year. He definitely didn't have a running attack. He had a spotty offensive line, and and he didn't have anything around him. And for a 15th-season quarterback to get benched in favor of Geno Smith, well, you saw what that did to Ben McAdoo, you know, and then, you know, Gettleman comes in and, you know, they more or less underlined that, you know, Manning's going to be our guy. We have some talent around him. We have some potential. We're going to beef up the line a little bit. We're going to get a running back in here. And, and we're going to make this guy, you know, what he is. And he, he's a Manning and he's a quarterback. He's led you to a couple Super Bowls. And if you don't think that Manning's a good quarterback, ask the evil empire in New England. He's a darn good quarterback when he faces New England in the Super Bowl, that's for sure. So this is a guy who can get it done. He can finish the job. He can make first downs. He's got the talent around him now. He's got a better offensive line. And I think the future is bright for Eli Manning. As far as the next season or so, I wouldn't go much beyond that just based on age. You know, even it even crept up on his older brother Peyton there after time. Davis Webb looked like he was going to be a capable future replacement, big arm passer at a cow. His his challenge has been what he does under pressure. You know, he's got a number a number two job locked up. But the Giants have enough weapons that he could be productive if something happened to Manning, if he got injured or what have you. But, you know, it's an uphill battle right now for him. He's not going to see the field unless there's an injury to Eli. And Kyle Lallana, he's he's just a future pick. He's a guy that's a project. They're looking down the road because Eli isn't going to be around much longer, let's just face it. But uh, they're going to try to capitalize with Eli's talents and his mental approach to the game with the talent they've put around him. Nate Solder coming in on the line, moving Flowers over to the other tackle. You know, you got Will Hernandez at the guard, one of the best guards in the league, in my opinion, immediately. So this is a different situation for everybody involved, and you're going to see an escalation in Eli Manning's play, both fantasy-wise and for the team, the Giants. Yeah, you know, I think with Eli Manning right now, I mean, they had to shore up and protect him a little bit. He dealt with a lot of injuries as well, you know, last season. And when you're dealing with those injuries, it's obviously going to affect you and and where things are at, having all those injuries that he had to his wide receiver core. So Saquon Barkley coming in, and the offensive line looking to get better here with bringing in a guy like Nate Solder from New England and and drafting Will Hernandez early in the second round from Texas El Paso in this year's draft. You know, the, you're looking at this opportunity to help and to cover the blind side of Eli Manning for left tackle at Nate Solder and left guard at Will Hernandez. So this is something that the Giants are hoping is going to help them out as well as having a big body back like Saquon Barkley. We know that some changes to the offensive line and getting a big body back for Jacksonville put them in a position to almost make it to the Super Bowl along with other pieces that fell. So Eli Manning knows what it's like to get there and win too. And now it's about protecting him and having a nice running game, which they haven't had forever in a day, it seems like. 
and having healthy wide receivers in Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard, and they got rid of Brandon Marshall, so he's no longer on the team, but we'll get to those in a minute. Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Stewart from Carolina finally left there and is backing up Saquon and Wayne Gallman still there from Clemson. Everybody else is gone. All the other, let's try Paul Perkins, let's see what he can do, let's do this, let's do that. None of those guys are there anymore, and it's the Saquon Barkley show. Thoughts on the fantasy value, and do you think that someone will draft Saquon Barkley with the first overall pick? Yeah, not only do I think it's possible, I think it's highly probable in some leagues. Uh, now, if I was in a rookie league or a dynasty league, he would definitely be a top 10 player. He'd definitely be a top 10 player in a redraft league as well. So as far as overall running backs, I got him as a top five running back, especially in PPR because, you know, he's 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 going to be deadly as what he can do. They're going to run him. They're going to utilize him. They're going to throw him the ball. They're going to hand him the ball. They're going to get him the ball in space. They're going to run him between the tackles. It's going to be more Barkley. And when they're done with that, they're going to be more Barkley. Oh, but don't forget, they have some decent receivers, one really good receiver there. So that's going to continue to open things up because you got to trust what's on the outside. You can't just load eight guys in the box and shut down that great running attack. Wayne Gallman wasn't what he he came in the league to be. The Giants didn't get what they thought they were getting with the star out of Clemson. Excellent career at Clemson, just couldn't translate that to the NFL field. And as far as running, running backs go in the NFL, there's less of a curve. There's more of a learning curve, and there's more forgiving for the wide receiver position. They, they allow usually a couple years, three years to truly fully develop. Not many guys do before then. But the running back position, it's like, here's the ball, go run. And we're going to give you more time on the field if you can pass block. Well, it wasn't that he didn't have the pass blocking. It's just he couldn't hit the holes. He couldn't break free. He didn't have a great yards for carry. He just wasn't solid enough for what they needed. And don't forget, once that passing attack went down, and being they didn't have a very good offensive line, it was hard to run the ball. So I think Gallman had the deck stacked against him. I think he's a better player than he was able to show and I think his play ironically is going to improve with the appearance of Barkley and with the beefing up of that offensive line and with Odell Beckham Jr. being healthy now Jonathan Stewart's going to contend for some time with the ball as well he's probably going to be the third down guy the pass catching guy you know but I think they're going to let a lot of that fall in Barkley's hands so I think Barkley's more of a three down attack Gallman and Stewart are there in relief. I got Barkley as a running back one on your team. Wayne Gallman and Jonathan Stewart, these are desperation guys. Maybe a running back four or five for you, especially if you already have a Barkley and you want to handcuff him. Yeah, you know, I think Saquon Barkley is is definitely the guy that people are going to reach for early. There's going to be some happy fan, I know, especially in our drafts up here, that are going to be very, very excited about the opportunity. I can think of my co-host for Super Powered Pop, our entertainment show, DT&EB, that Eric Bunch is hoping he gets a number one or number two pick to pick up a guy like Saquon Barkley for his New York football giants. But Saquon's where the money's at. You know, Jonathan Stewart might get a play here and there, but he underwhelms me when he was in Carolina. And I just, uh, Wayne Gallman, it's one of those guys on waivers. He's going to be sitting there, most likely on waivers or free agency. And you're just going to be looking to see if in an emergency situation you got to pick somebody up and he's done something good. But Saquon is the guy, and for all the fans out there that aren't Giants fans but still considered getting a 26 jersey, 
That's because everybody, you know, there is this hope and this notion that we could be watching something special with Saquon. So even though he didn't play it down in the NFL, when it comes to Saquon Barkley, I got a good feeling he's going in those top three picks and number one or number two, probably. Odell Beckham Jr., Sterling Shepard, Cody Latimer, who comes over from Denver, didn't really bring much to fantasy in the past. Every here and there he did. And then Russell Shepard, who spent a lot of time making some hay with the Bucks, and went to Carolina. Roger Lewis, Travis Rudolph from Florida State, and so on and so forth. What do you think about the receiver situation in New York for the Giants? And secondly, Mike, maybe you want to start with this, Odell Beckham Jr., should people be nervous to pick him up knowing of his antics and his off-the-field kind of fly-by-night? You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, you know, I, we talked about this a lot in the last year about, you know, the proposals to the punter's net and, you know, the just the zaniness, the off-the-field issues, the, the kind of wackiness on the field, getting in fights. You know, hopefully a lot of that's behind him and he can keep those things behind him. You know, they were talking about trading him supposedly this year, and I couldn't see that. I mean, this is a guy who really only trailed through his first three seasons as a receiver. The only guys that did better than him really were Randy Moss in receiving yards and Jarvis Landry in receptions. So this is a guy who, even through three seasons, I think he had 35 touchdowns ranking him fifth so this is the guy who's going to continue to put up numbers even with those distractions but this is the thing that excites me most i think his ability to make more plays and be even more involved in the offense is going to temper some of those off-field distractions and some of that time he has on his hands to make proposals to kicking nets this is a guy who now has a coach in pat Shermer, and this is if you look back at what pat Shermer does has done he took Case Keenum and turned him into a world beater. And he made both Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs stars. Now, Beckham is far better statistically by a country mile than either Thielen or Diggs. And now that, you know, you consider Evan Ingram at the tight end, Sterling Shepard, who's a capable player, and Saquon Barkley, and beefing up the offensive line, I don't see anything but brightness for an Odell Beckham Jr. Now, a lot of people would say, well, those other guys around, there's only one ball. How are they going to share the ball? They're going to share the ball. And don't and, and statistically, Beckham may not have the per-game stats that everyone wants, but he's still going to be up there with an Antonio Brown and a DeAndre Hopkins as far as one of the top position players, one of the top receivers as well for your team. Sterling Shepard, he's more of the kick-return type kind of guy disappointed me when he had the opportunity to step up when both Brandon Marshall and Beckham were down. This was his opportunity, and he proved that he's not a number one. He's a complimentary player. He's a guy that is a good team player. He's not an excellent fantasy player unless you're getting paid for return yards. Roger Lewis, I, I you know, there's there's not enough back for, for me. This is a undrafted free agent. This is a third-year receiver. I, I just don't have enough on him to really judge him or or see him more. I, I, I need to see more. Maybe preseason will do something, but I don't see not, anything there right now. The guy had a bowling green. And Cody Latimer, we've been waiting for him to show up as well. So, uh, again, some also rans on the team. But I would be very proud to have Odell Beckham Jr. as my number one receiver on my team, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. staying healthy. I mean, he obviously – 
wants to put himself in good footing and, and in the sense of you know if he has a shaky relationship with the Giants then this could be somewhat of an audition to the rest of the league to show him that he's still got it. So I think this is the year to pick up Odell Beckham Jr. and give him a shot. Sterling Shepard's been underwhelming. Cody Latimer comes in here and there when there were some injuries at Denver and whatnot. Russell Shepard, you know, he could give you some help. I mean, there's two Shepards on the team now, but I think Odell Beckham Jr. is the one that leads the flock to the promised land if they're trying to win some games. So I would go with Odell. I don't see a lot outside of that. Evan Ingram, we said last year, I said going into the season, there's two rookie tight ends people got to pay attention to. David Njoku coming out of Miami and going to the Cleveland Browns and Evan Ingram coming out of Mississippi and going to the Giants. Evan Ingram was more consistent than a bunch of veteran tight ends last year. He was a massive steal for people and I fully expect people to put pick him early and to look for him early. And if you're stupid enough to let him fall to somebody, that's on you. But, I mean, there's there's a bunch of guys on the roster, but I think it really lies with Evan Engram. And dare I say it, I think that if Odell Beckham Jr. is your best option in fantasy in the passing game for the Giants, I think Evan Engram's your second best. Yeah, he, he, he definitely is. And he's my number four tight end overall. This is a guy who's going to be able to get it done. He has some gaudy numbers, but he still has room to improve. This is a guy, if you're in a dynasty league, this is a great guy to have. He's built more like a receiver, coming out of Ole Miss, excellent guy. I could see him coming the country mile away that this was going to be a good situation for him in New York. But, you know, at 6'3", 234 pounds, his run blocking is kind of, I don't, iffy, kind of borderline. So he's definitely more of a pass-catching guy, but... If he can improve on that blocking and improve on some hand play, that's going to open things up for him more so to catch some passes. I don't know if you've noticed a lot of times what they'll do is instead of just having a tight end, just check the guy at the line and then go on a short pattern. A lot, a lot of times they'll do these oh, tight end screens now where he'll actually stand for a minute or two for a second or two to block and then roll out for a screen or something into the flat. That's something they're going to work on more with him. That's going to open up more opportunities for Evan Ingram. There's not a lot else to say about anyone else on the team. Uh, a couple other no-names, a couple guys that they're hoping they're going to build for the future, such as Jarrell Adams. But it's all Evan Ingram, and he's definitely a top-four tight end. Yep, and I and I said it. I'm 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 on the Evan Engram train. I, I was on that train before he even started to down in the NFL. So Mike and I can say that we liked him back then, way back when, and we still like him now. We'll take a step aside for a fast break. We'll come right back with the other half of the NFC East in our coverage of the Fantasy Football 2018-19 season, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub here in Camillus, New York, for the Fantasy Football Power Hour featuring Mike Sofka. And myself, Dan Tatora. We'll be back in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, 
something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Pendant Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is pen and trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue, in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. We're here in the Fantasy Football Power Hour that's spilling over into another hour of this show. We're going to go a little bit over here from 11 o'clock. That's because we love and care about you and want you to have more than enough information. People say too much information isn't good. Well, that might be if your mom and dad are talking about what they're doing in the bedroom. But for fantasy football, too much information is never too much because I'd rather have more than less. So with that being said, Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame, FantasyFootball.com. And myself, Dan Tortora, of course, at Wake Up Call and WakeUpCallDT.com. Check out our fantasy football page. A lot coming up there in the next coming uh, weeks here as I'm going to be adding a bunch of stuff on there. I know Mike has his rankings. I'll be adding mine as well. So make sure you check out both of our sites and that you definitely go to HallOfFameFantasyFootball.com if you would like Mike to help you win your league and move forward in your league. And that's definitely, I mean, this is a man who's in the Hall of Fame of Fantasy Football. So big shout-outs to Mike Sofka. We're here in the Fantasy Football Power Hour, brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub, 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York, in the Home Depot Plaza. It is a family-friendly sports bar where you can come and draft with us in fantasy, have your kids running around playing some games, doing some volleyball and whatnot. They're having a good time. You're having a good time. You can get a beer. They can get a little soda and hang out. It's somehow, someway, all works at the Wildcat Sports Pub. And it starts at the top with Danny and Heather Tome. So big shout out to the team that's at the Wildcat. We love calling that home for fantasy football. And we're very proud that we did it last year for the first time. And we were automatically, no questions asked, we were wanted back here this year. So thank you to Danny for seeing the value of what we do with the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge and having us back. Alex Smith, Colt McCoy, Kevin Hogan, who used to play with the Cleveland Browns when they had four quarterbacks, They are all there in Washington. 
who didn't think that Kirk Cousins was worth giving more than a one-year contract to. I would have thought that he was playing on a LeBron team with the one-year contracts they gave him every year. Alex Smith's the guy now. Colt McCoy is backing him up. We're with a new starting quarterback in Washington yet again. And forgive me, Washington fans, but I don't see how you benefit from this. What are your thoughts on this one, Mike? Yeah, well, it, it, they got older, you know. And, and, you know, even though Alex Smith had his best year out of his 14-year career, he's, he's an older guy. Now, I think he's more efficient. I think he's able and capable of leading the team. He's got some solid players around him. He's got some solid additions to the running game. Uh, he's got some decent receivers, some, some guys he can throw the ball to at the tight end position. So this is a guy who I think is going to be good for Washington, and Washington's going to be good for him. I think he has the capability of being a top 10 quarterback, but I think he's more of a QB too. I think he's your backup. I think he's your second guy. I don't think Colt McCoy or Kevin Hogan or any competition. I, I don't even think they make a roster. Even if Alex Smith gets hurt, I think they'll just shift more to a running attack with the additions they have in the backfield there. They have some also rans and no names at receiver, but these guys are capable. These guys are receivers. These guys are able to get down the field, stretch the field, and catch the ball, even though they're not all household names and, and not everybody sold on them. And they have another old guy or tight end, and they have a young guy at tight end who can't stay healthy. So if everything lines up, the moon, the stars, and the planets, things look good for Washington, but... You know, I think it's um, like a meh, you know, like a QB2 situation here, and let's see what they do. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about this situation. I mean, obviously someone's going to have to throw the ball in Washington, but, you know, Alex Smith, to say that you don't want to give Kirk Cousins money and then, like I say, to pay his older brother, Alex Smith, is, is how I liken this situation. A ton of money to come and play for you. Not a big fan of this, but whatever. It's what Washington did. That's what they think is going to work. They found ways to win before with Colt McCoy, who was written off when, you know, he was a member of the Browns and, of course, you know, written off Kevin Hogan as well. So we'll see what we could do from here. Colt McCoy could say that he's lasted longer than Johnny Manziel inside of the NFL. He's been here for a while. and But I, I, I'm just not sold on this. And, and I'm really honestly, with our leagues having like 10 teams because – as I said earlier, I think having 10 teams capping it out and starting another one, 10 to 12, that's like as far as you can go. You don't want to go farther than that because then the well gets dry. So I think that there's plenty for me to pick through that doesn't involve me taking Washington's quarterback and then just kind of watching and seeing what will happen. Running back situation, Darius Geis, LSU. He is on some top of the depth chart, according to some people, drafted in the second round, 59th overall. Chris Thompson's done some nice things. He's known for having long runs, not necessarily frequent runs. Samaje Perrine, he's drafted in 2017, and they already think he may not be the guy by drafting Darius Geis right after. And then Rob Kelly was a free agent undrafted in 2016. So Rob Kelly's picked up in 2016. He's supposed to be the guy. Then Samaje Prine in 2017. He's supposed to be the guy. Darius Geis now in 2018. He's supposed to be the guy. What do you think about this backfield, Mike? I think it's loaded. I think there's too many guys back there, and I think half these names aren't going to be around. I think uh, a lot of these guys have some potential, but it's going to be Darius Geis. 
look, they they went after Samaj Perine last year. You know, what did he do coming out of college? He was only the number one uh, running back out of Oklahoma. This guy looked like he was going to be a beast. He went under the radar, then all of a sudden he appeared. And then all of a sudden, well, you know, the, the hype machine in the NFL is kind of fickle. He had a less than stellar offensive line situation last year. The, I blame a lot of it on the coaching. I don't think they were innovative enough with opportunities for him, but he only had like 3.4 yards per carry, only scored once on the ground. You know, he wasn't the short yardage dynamo that he looked like he was in college at Oklahoma. So they go out and they get Darius Geist. Now all Darius Geist did was play alongside Leonard Fournette for a couple of years, and at times he looked better than Fournette. This was like a Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle situation where he looked like the more explosive guys. But injuries kind of robbed him a little bit of some of his potential. But, you know, he still led the SEC in rushing in his sophomore year, 1,300, almost 1,400 yards, 15 touchdowns in the SEC, which is huge. So I think Darius Geis is mainly the first and second down guy to start his career because, you know, you got Chris Thompson, the, the guy at a, at a Florida State who, you know, has some capabilities at running back. But let's face it, his forte is catching the ball out of the backfield. That's what he does. He's a great third down guy. He's got that third down thing locked up. So, ironically, we might see a resurgence of a Samaje Perrine where he's able to spell Darius Geis. And maybe because he's not going to be the guy, maybe he's going to have more value to the team. Maybe he's going to be able to pick the team up when they need to be picked up the most. It's not going to necessarily help you in fantasy unless there's an injury to a Geis. And I hope that doesn't happen. But you never know, so you got to be prepared. Even if you don't roster a handcuffed running back, you want to have a game plan in mind in case something happens. Well, so-and-so's on the wire, or his backup is, you know, not many people know that, whatever. So make sure you have a plan in place all the time, regardless of who you draft the running back. But I would think that Darius Geis is definitely a guy that's worthy of having. I think he's more of a... Uh, in a dynasty situation or, or a rookie draft, he's way up there in the top five. You know, even so, I, I think that he's a running back two at best this year. Uh, he's a one. You know, he's going to be on the field for like half the plays of the offense. Basically, he's going to be the focus, but he's not going to have all the looks. Uh, Chris Thompson is the guy to have in a PPR league. Yeah, you know, Darius Geis and Samaje Prine. I don't know which one of these guys is going to end up with it because Darius Geis to put him on the top and write off Samaje Prine right right away. To me, is not the right way to do this. It's not the way that I think it's going to go down. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen. Chris Thompson, like you said, PPR, points per reception. You know, that's something to think about for you. He is one of those guys that could catch a pass two yards behind the line of scrimmage and run 27 yards ahead for a touchdown. And he has done things like that recently. But Samaj Prine and Darius Geis, I don't really know where the faith is with Washington. I want to see how things pan out and how, how things move forward. Neither one of these is my number one guy, but they're not a bad three to have. You know, you get your top two running backs, and then you pick up one of these guys and see where they sit at, especially with the quarterback and me not leaning on that as much. I feel like they may run the ball a little bit more, should run the ball a little bit more, let me say that. So I, they're not bad pickups, but you are somewhat rolling the dice with 
these options in Washington. Here's something crazy. The Washington Redskins wide receivers starts with Josh Doxson, who came in in 2016, got hurt, didn't get to do much of anything out of TCU. Last year was relatively quiet. Now, all of a sudden, he went from three to number one. Jamison Crowder's number two. Paul Richardson comes over from Seattle as number three. And that's where we stand with this team. Trey Quinn is on the team as well. Drafted Mr. Irrelevant but he was one of the best receivers in the American Athletic Conference this past season, and I covered him at SMU. 256 is when he was drafted overall and in the seventh round. I think he was a great pickup, and I think, crazy as it may be to some people, that Trey Quinn might get some play more than other guys on this roster. But right now, Josh Doxson, who hasn't done anything, in my opinion, to be the number one guy, is the number one guy, and then it's Crowder and Richardson. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I don't think Dobson's going to end up being the number one guy. I think it is going to be Paul Richardson. I think they put a lot of faith in him by handing him five years, $40 million with $20 million guaranteed. You know, Jay Gruden likes speedsters. He expects Richardson to immediately step into a prominent role as the primary outside receiver. He's going to be the deep threat. Now, I don't necessarily agree that, that, that Richardson has that capability, that he has that in him. But they're going to put him in the position to be successful there. So this is more than he's had. He's struggled the first couple of years in, in Seattle before having a mini breakout in 2017 where he finally got some consistent playing time. He started 13 games, had 700 yards and six touchdowns. He's going to be asked to do a lot more. I think that's going to pay off. If you're willing to roll the dice and take a chance on a guy, this would be a guy that you're going to take a chance on. I don't see him as any more than the 49th-ranked receiver on a standard scoring redraft. Josh Dotson was supposed to be the guy coming out of TCU. He was supposed to be the, the guy who was going to render Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson expendable a couple years ago. Well, those guys are gone, but he hasn't been able to do it. Nothing's happened there, and he's neck and neck with Paul Richardson on my rankings at 49 as well. And then Jamison Crowder, he's more of a return man in my eyes. He's more of a slider build guy. He's a smaller speedster. The guy had a Duke 5'8", 185 pounds, kind of like a small running back, but he's able to get some things done. He's a slot guy, if you ask me. And again, he's in that 40, 49, 50 mark as far as receivers. I agree with what you're saying about Trey Quinn. You know, if Jamison Crowder gets hurt and Quinn has the ability to step in, he has the skills to take over and thrive. He's quick. He's a good route runner, strong hand-eye coordination, excellent leaping ability for a slot receiver. So, And what they've said out of him in OTAs in minicamp is that he looks like he's going to be a star. So this is a guy who can step in and be a surprise guy. But I think if you're looking for some – you know, nice wide receiver for potential guys. You could take any one of these guys, but I would gamble that Paul Richardson's going to be the guy, although that's not going to equate to your fantasy team as much more than a high-end wide receiver three, probably a wide receiver four. Yeah, you know, I think it's awesome that uh, the Jamison Crowder, to go to him for a second, you know, he's coming from Duke, and he wasn't really their wide receiver. He was he was their specialist. You know, he was a return man. And that's what he became when he came into the NFL, was a return man because of his speed and his ability. Washington likes speed. They've been drafting speed. You know, guys like Chris Thompson and Jameson Crowder and so on and so forth, they get these guys that they consider to be kind of these, you know, speed demons a little bit. And Jameson Crowder's worked his way into 
being in the top three on the depth chart when he was like number four and still a return man. So that's good. But Jameson Crowder's been inconsistent. And Paul Richardson's been inconsistent. And Josh Doxson's been inconsistent. So if I'm rolling the dice on anybody, you know, Mike, you got you got some play here saying, well, you know, he played with Russell Wilson and he had some opportunity in Seattle to show what he could do and he had some fine moments. But he's a guy that literally can get you one point in fantasy and then maybe get you, I don't know, 10, maybe maybe 12, but he is the guy that sometimes gets you one point. So I'm not sold on the quarterbacks, nor am I sold on the wide receivers in Washington. If I'm going to draft anybody, I look to Thompson, Perrine, and Geis, in all honesty. Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis are still together and still the tight ends for Washington. Jordan Reed's been hurt recently. What do you think about the situation here? Yeah, I think if Jordan Reed can ever stay on the field, he's definitely a top 10 tight end. I got him ranked number nine just for his pension to get injured. I mean, we're talking uh, everything from hamstring pulls, ankle sprains, thigh contusions, knee strains, thumb strains, quad strains, MCL strains, toe fractures, AC joint separations, pectoral bruises, and he just had off-season toe surgery. So this is a guy that plays very violently. This is a guy who's dominant in the red zone. I enjoyed watching him play at the University of Florida. I enjoyed watching him make the conversion from quarterback to tight end. He's excellent in the slot. He provides tremendous mismatches, but he's got to stay on the field. He's got to stay healthy. Now, the backup in Vernon Davis, 34 years old, ancient in NFL years, he wasn't expected to have the year he had last year, but when when uh, Jordan Reed went down, he picked it up, and he finishes a tight end 11, 15 yards per reception. So this is a guy who's able to fill in. I don't think you're going to draft Vernon Davis even as a handcuff. I think you're going to keep him in mind for a waiver wire claim if something happens to Jordan Reed. But it looks like it's the Jordan Reed show as long as he can stay healthy. But, again, just make sure you have a plan in mind because Jordan Reed's pension for injury is huge. And there is something to know about Alex Smith. When in doubt, he goes to his tight end. There was a season where Alex Smith did not throw a single touchdown pass to any wide receiver on the team. It was his tight end, his running backs, and his fullback. So, just so people know, Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis, somebody's going to get some looks from Alex Smith because he is one of the quarterbacks that will trust his tight end to catch the ball. So, not a bad play, not a bad pickup. I do agree Vernon Davis not really the guy that you necessarily draft. Jordan Reed is a top five guy if he could ever stay healthy. So it's a thought to have, and somebody's going to take him. So just just, just know. Just know that that's your situation. But if you can get Engram and Reed, or you can get Godert and Reed, or something like that, you should be okay. It's it's just that you want to get somebody who you feel is is has a nice track record, and you can see that. Or you pick up a, a fantasy, you know, a, a rookie that's supposed to come out and do what he needs to do. I think that if I had Engram and I get Reed, I'm fine because Reed for me, he's my backup. And if he can, if he can get it done, he starts playing well. Well, I got him sitting right there. But to rely on Jordan Reed as your number one tight end, not a big fan of that. But he's going to get the ball thrown his way because of Alex Smith. Dallas Cowboys final team to do NFC East breakdown in the fantasy football power hour. Proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, where we're drafting it up. Our four leagues are almost completely full over a month in advance. If you want in, send an email to fantasyfootballdt at gmail.com. 
That's fantasy football. D is in Dan. T is in Tortora at gmail.com. Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush, and Mike White, undrafted free agent out of Central Michigan, who I covered because he faced Syracuse a few times. Cooper Rush and Mike White, who they just drafted out of Western Kentucky. So they got two young guys backing up Dak Prescott, who did not have a good sophomore season, dealing with the will-he-won't-he-Ezekiel Elliott suspension. What do you think about Dak Prescott going into year three in the NFL? I like Dak Prescott. I think he's a he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's elite. I think Dallas has failed him with the decisions they've made. I think they hung on to some players too long. Sometimes teams do that, and, and that affects the team around other good players. Dak Prescott kind of exploded on the scene in 16. He looked like he was going to be a long-term project, and, you know, they kind of stole him in the draft. But don't forget, he played out of Mississippi State. He played for a good coach who develops quarterbacks. He played in the SEC, the NFL 1A, if you would, as far as speed and efficiency on defense. Now, I know he has said that in the past, and he's taken some criticism for that, as was Leonard Fournette for mentioning that they've already played in the NFL by playing in the SEC, and that rubs people the wrong way, but it's it's more or less a, a statistical fact. There's a higher percentage of SEC players have been drafted in the NFL over any of the other conferences combined over the past several years. That's just where the talent is at. So he was prepared coming in to be a decent quarterback in the NFL. Now it's up to him and Dallas to take his game to the next level. I don't think his job is in jeopardy at all by a Cooper Rush who they were high on coming out of Central Michigan, high mental acuity and leadership at, at Central Michigan. But then they went out and they had the ability to, to sign a Mike White. Now Mike White looked like he was going to be a decent prospect out of South Florida. And then, you know, he wasn't cutting. He just wasn't playing well. And then he went to Western Kentucky because he – kind of felt like he was going to lose his job and and uh, you know a different scenario sometimes that happens for players in the nfl as well where you know a different scene uh, you know a trade sometimes is good for everybody involved so you know mike white has the opportunity to if not play for dallas one day play somewhere else down the road but it's Dak prescott show and with ezekiel elliott full time now and with the new blood they're injecting at receiver hopefully they can get a spark there and Hopefully they can find a tight end on this team. But, you know, those things could all jeopardize Dak. You know, his biggest hope is that they do load the box with eight guys with Zeke in the backfield, and then he's able to dump it off to somebody on a play action. So look for some sneaky plays there from Dak Prescott. And if Zeke can indeed carry the load and take the burden off Zach, and Zach can make some magic happen with the likes of Alan Hearns and a Deontay Thompson and a newly injected Michael Gallup, these are things that can pay off dividends long down the road, but it could be a long season in Dallas if they're not able to turn this receiver core into a bunch of NFL receivers. Yeah, and I agree with that. You know, I think Dak Prescott's going to show can he be elite by how he handles the situation, by how he handles these receivers, and, and how how this team can move forward because Dak had Dez and Dak had Jason Witten. and now Dak doesn't have what Tony Romo had and came in with and all that good stuff. So now it's up to Dak to show what he could do. So this is where Dak can prove, are you average, are you a little bit above average, or are you elite? So let's see what Dak could do. To me, he's a backup on your fantasy team, and that's just how I see it right now. Ezekiel Elliott, Rod Smith behind Zeke came in, in 2015, Ohio State, 
Bo Scarborough. They pick him up in the seventh round, 236 overall, 20 picks before Mr. Irrelevant. Bo Scarborough goes out of Alabama. This could be a big-time steal. This could be the burly back and somebody that could bang, you know, bang bodies inside that they didn't have when Ezekiel Elliott went out with the suspension. So, dare I say it, could, could Bo Scarborough be anything? He could be on the waiver. He could be in free agency. I think a lot of people are probably not going to draft him, just kind of leave him in free agency. But what do you think about Zeke is coming back? We know Zeke is a problem off the field. We know Zeke put this team in a hostage situation the whole season. But what do you think about Zeke coming in this year? And Bo Scarborough, can he be anything to anybody in fantasy? Yeah, I mean, this is the Zeke Elliott show. Let's not make any mistakes here. This is the guy. He is the guy. Everybody knows he's the guy because he is the guy. He can catch the ball. He can run with the ball. He's a bruiser on the inside. He can break it away on the outside. It appears that any challenges or problems or issues he's had are now behind him. Let's hope that for the young man, let's hope the maturity is set in and let's just hope that for his sake and Dallas's sake. And, you know, I mean, Dallas still has one of the best run blocking offensive lines. Let's not forget that, you know, they have a, he has a rare, Elliot has a rare combination. He has the size, speed, toughness, and vision. There's no reason to think Ezekiel Elliott would be no less than a top four pick in any league format that you're in. Now, Rod Smith is going to be there to back him up, but I don't have a lot of faith in Rod Smith. I think he could be pushed further down the chart if a rookie like a Bo Scarborough flashes like you talked about. But they did something sneaky in Dallas. They're bringing in Tavon Austin, and they're going to get him the ball. They're going to figure out ways to get him a dozen to two dozen touches per game so that's throwing him the ball that's lining him up like a julian edelman in the slot that's making him run jet sweeps that's putting him in the backfield as a tailback at times and i wouldn't be surprised if we saw him do some wildcat and some other fancy plays and some derivatives off those fancy plays but bo scarborough let me tell you something about bo five years ago bo might have been a first or second day pick He's a big-bodied runner. He has decent feet, better receiving skills than his past catching totals indicate while he was at Alabama. He has the agility to bounce outside. He's a good fit for the gap-heavy blocking scheme that the Cowboys are transitioning to in 18. So he could push Rod Smith for that playing time if Zeke gets hurt. But I think a lot depends on how he does preseason-wise. There's going to be talk about that preseason because, let's face it, Zeke's not going to play a lot. And you're going to see a guy like Bo Scarborough try to get out there and show his talent. So I think if Dallas plays their hands right, their backfield is pretty solid all the way around. Yeah, you know, I think with Ezekiel Elliott, the one thing that's going to keep me from drafting him is if I have a top four pick, there's a lot of other running backs I'm going to lean on a little bit that I'm not – concerned about off the field but Ezekiel Elliott I mean he's he's a talented guy he's he's not the guy you want to play against which usually makes some people draft him if they're not Dallas fans or not necessarily Zeke fans it'll still put him on the list Bo Scarborough like you said Mike he he could be a guy that was drafted early but for some reason you know we look at his history and what he's done and and he's just, he's not, he's drafted in the seventh round to see a guy like him go. Justin Jackson also went late in the draft, and it's its just crazy when you look at these names where these players played, 
And to have the notion of, what do you mean that they're not going to be that guy? They're not going to be drafted early. They're not going to get those opportunities. Bo Scarborough, in his career, 2015, he had 104 yards rushing and one touchdown. 2016, 812 yards, 11 touchdowns. 2017, he went down to 596 yards and eight touchdowns. So not the level of consistency that you want. But you'd like to hope that if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan that just stumbled on something good, like I said, I think he's a free agent guy. I don't think people are going to draft him. Zeke is going to get out there, and I'm going to tell you, if Zeke acts like Zeke the Freak, like he's been, he's not the guy that you want to play against is all I'm going to say. I know that if it's me, I'm looking at Gurley, I'm looking at Fournette, I'm looking at Saquon, I'm looking at Kamara, I'm looking at Johnson, I'm looking at this, that, and the other. But if Zeke comes around and he's out there, folks, it's kind of one of those like the Patriots do. We might not play him every down, but if we put him on our team, you can't put him on your team mentality. Wide receivers, Allen Hearns, Terrence Williams, Cole Beasley, Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup, a lot of people forget about this guy. Didn't even know he got drafted. Third round, 81st overall, Colorado State. He's got the chance to be a little sleeper. Cole Beasley used to be the guy that they put the return game in his hands, then he had to step up. Terrence Williams was that player that played really well, that had that really awesome season, then everybody figured out that he was pretty good, and then they started double-teaming him and keying in on him, and then he didn't do anything. But now he's starting to come back out again because people don't think he's that good. Alan Hearns, in some depth charts, is number one. Coming over from Jacksonville, always be a number two or number three on Jacksonville. I've covered him his entire career since coming out of Miami in Jacksonville. I'm going to miss him like crazy. I think that Dallas could have stumbled on something good, but to jump him to number one is tough. But you say, well, who else is going to be number one? And then on this depth chart I'm looking at right now, number sixth on the wide receiver depth chart is Tavon Austin, who was drafted out of West Virginia to be number one with the St. Louis Rams. Thoughts on the mix-up here that we have. Deontay Thompson, I know you're a Gators fan, Mike. He's a free agent from Buffalo. So Deontay Thompson, Tavon Austin, Michael Gallup's a rookie. Beasley and Williams are the only returning guys. And then you have Alan Hearns. What do you think about this? Well, I think Tavon Austin is an excellent addition for you as, uh, you know, depending on how he's classified in your specific league. You know, I've seen him roster places as a running back. I've seen him listed as a wide receiver. I've seen him listed as just a kick returner. And with their dedication to get the speeds to the rock somehow, some way in space, throwing the ball, handling the ball, what have you, you know, he could be a good flex player for you, maybe a, a wide receiver four or five, or maybe a running back three or four, depending on how how that ends up looking in Dallas. But, you know, I, Alan Hearns, I'm confident, is an excellent receiver. I like him as an undrafted guy coming out of Miami. He exploded on the scene in Jacksonville. Then he stumbled into some injuries, and, and the injuries kept coming. So I think he's primarily a slot receiver. But, you know, don't forget, they have the departure. They let, you know, they let Des Bryant walk away. You know, Jason Witten's retired. You know, so I'm, I'm not sure. You know, they're talking about Cole Beasley on the outside. He doesn't have the size or the speed to play outside. And his days could be numbered in Dallas, along with Terrence Williams. You know, Terrence Williams is just one of those guys. He's just another guy. He, he, he tends to not show up. I've seen him not catch the ball more times than he's caught the ball. It looks like he has hands of stone at times. And this is a guy who could get pushed by a Michael Gallup as well. There's a chance that Terrence Williams may not make the roster 
but I think they're so wide receiver starved in Dallas that he will make the roster. I think you're going to see a Michael Gallup on the field doing a lot more. Look for a big preseason from him. Monitor him in preseason. He needs to improve as a run blocker. But overall, I think he's an excellent receiver. His big problem is he doesn't like contact. He doesn't like to get hit. I got news for you. They're going to know that in the NFL. They're going to see you coming, and one of these big safeties is going to tee off on you. Now, there's some protections now in the NFL and helmet rules and hitting rules that are going to benefit a guy like a Michael Gallup at this point. But, you know, you can't be fearful of getting hit in the NFL. You can't be a guy who's going to get hit in the NFL. So look for a lot of safe plays from him. Look for a lot of pulling up, running out of bounds, and stuff I don't always like. But, you know, if you take the flip side of that script, you look at a guy who enjoys the contact and plays with reckless abandon in Washington in the same division in a Jordan Reed, and look what happens to his career. He's out half the time. So maybe there's something to be said for that for certain guys to avoid that contact. But you can't be fearful of it. That's the whole point. You know, so I look for Alan Hearns to be the number one by default. I look for it to be a coin flip between a Terrence Williams, Cole Beasley, and a Michael Gallup there. And I look for Deontay Thompson to make some appearances. I look for him to challenge for some returns with Tavon Austin because Deontay is fast and he's yet to make his mark in a receiver role in the NFL. Yeah, if you got five or six receivers that you're going to be putting on your roster when you're drafting in your fantasy football challenge, hopefully inside the wake up call fantasy football challenge for every you and everyone in central and upstate New York, we're almost full. Fantasy football DT at gmail.com. That's fantasy football D is in Dan, T is in Tortora at gmail.com. Send us an email and just write, I'm in. That's all you have to do, and we'll put you in the league. We are almost capped out. Three leagues are pretty much done. We have a fourth league that has a few spots left. And then Mike and I are in a league down in Orlando that's almost a decade old. And that's how I met Mr. Mike Sofka. So I'm very happy that that league is a league that I can always count on and and be a part of. And I can't wait to go down and draft because schedules get crazy, but we're planning it out here. We started planning in June which means that we're going to have some fun in August when we're all drafting together. Michael Gallup is a sleeper for me. If I got six wide receivers, going back to what I was saying, on my roster, Michael Gallup might be the sixth guy that I pick up as my Mr. Irrelevant. He may be that guy because I just, I trust my gut. I trust my vibes. You know, we could talk about stats, this, that, and everything, but sometimes, a lot of times with fantasy, it comes down, and in reality, it comes down to your gut. And my gut says Michael Gallup is not a guy to forget about. Alan Hearns, like you said, by default, he's number one. I'm interested to see what this is going to turn into. But none of these guys are my number one receiver that I'm taking off the board. They're guys that are complimentary, in my opinion, right now. Tight end, Jeff Swaim, Blake Jarwin, or Dalton Schultz. Exactly. Where the hell are we in life right now with Jeff Swaim, Blake Jarwin, and, I mean, I know Jason Winton's not there, but Dallas, under Jerry Jones, does this all the time. They do not prepare for the future. Dak Prescott was a total enigma. How they got Dak while they still had Tony Romo is like Jerry Jones must have passed out and whoever his power of attorney is must have signed for him because they never plan for the future. But Jeff Swaim and Blake Jarwin are the guys, and Dalton Schultz is the drafted backup to them out of Stanford I know they didn't get Dallas Goder, Mike, but adding insult to injury is looking at this roster going, okay, well, you didn't get Dallas, but what was your plan? 
And I don't think the Cowboys had a plan. You know, I think they have a plan, and not many people realize what they have cooking. You know, I, I, I let's just look at it, okay? Jeff Swain, Blake Derwin, these guys aren't dynamic receivers, but they can block. So you know what you're getting there. Dalton Schultz, a rookie, you know, he's going to try to keep the string of successful Stanford Cardinals alive in the NFL. None of these players have breakout potential. None of these players are going to be high-ceiling players. But Rico Gathers could be the guy. 6'8", 275 pounds, had never caught a regular season pass, and never caught a pass in a regular season game yet. Here's the deal. He didn't even play college football. Dallas took a chance on him because of his size and rare athleticism. This is a basketball player. They're looking to take him and turn him into the next Antonio Gates basketball player turned dominant receiver. He's the ultimate question mark, and you want to watch his preseason carefully. He could be the guy that could shoot up draft boards as a dark horse tight end. But, you know, I wouldn't put any money on it. I wouldn't gamble on it. I I don't even think he's going to appear on my draft board. But we've seen weirder things happen, and maybe this was the long-term play that Dallas had all along, and it was an excellent and savvy draft pick by Philadelphia to take Dallas Goder just before Dallas could take the tight end that they so desperately needed with the retirement of Jason Witten. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just like I talked about doing in the fantasy, in your fantasy draft, wherever you are drafting. It is saying, maybe I didn't 100% want this guy, but I know you want this guy. And I damn sure, well, I'm not going to give you this guy because I don't want to play against this guy. So that's what the Philadelphia Eagles did in the actual 2018 NFL draft. And I don't fault him for it by any stretch of the imagination. That is our coverage of the NFC East. I'm not a big fan of what's going on in Dallas right now besides Zeke Elliott and having Dak as a backup. I know somebody's going to step up at receiver, and I look to Hearns and Gallup more than anybody else. Williams is just wildly inconsistent. And Cole Beasley, I just don't see him as being the guy that's breaking out to the outside and catching a pass. So with that being said, the NFC East, Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, Washington Redskins, all set here on the show. The AFC South, North, East, and West, all done on the show. Go check back to our prior broadcast. The NFC East is done. Next week is the NFC West with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. You can listen to all of our fantasy football content by going to WakeUpCallDT.com and clicking on the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, the Podbean podcast, or TuneIn Radio. There is also going to be the addition of all of these shows for the 2018-19 season to the fantasy football page of WakeUpCallDT.com shortly, so you can check them out there as well. Mike, as always, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the energy. And every time we talk, I get more amped and more pumped for this. The thing about it is, you and I tell each other our strategies, so one day maybe we could do what Golden State does, and you and I just make a super team. (laughs) All right, sounds good. (laughs) All right, Mike, as always, I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, man. All right, take care.